Welcome to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. Today is Saturday, December 2nd. Amanda Borchel Dan here with our military correspondent Emmanuel Fabian and U.S. Bureau Chief Jacob Magid. Hello to you both. Hi, Amanda. Hey, Manny. Hi, Amanda. Hey, Jacob. We are going to hear why the truce fell apart and what the U.S. requests from Israel as the fighting pushes forward. We'll learn about the renewed fighting in Gaza and how the Israeli military is beginning to use an evacuation map for Palestinians in the Gaza Strip for them to avoid active combat zones. All this and more when we're back. The Technion Israel Institute of Technology is where some of Israel's brightest minds ask the biggest question of all. What if? What if they could take on the world's biggest challenges? What if they could develop life-changing environmental, scientific, health, medical, and technological discoveries that will make a huge impact on Israel and the planet? But they don't just ask the question, they answer it too. They turn those ideas into reality. They make them happen. To see just some of the incredible things they've achieved, get the Technion Booklet of Wonders at ats.org wonders. We hope it inspires you to give them your support so they can keep doing what they do best. The American Technion Society. World-changing discoveries by Israel's brightest minds made possible by you. Jacob, let's start with you and talk about the diplomatic side of how the truce fell apart, first of all. Yes, so we had on Thursday was the seventh day of this truce that had been extended twice. And the conditions of the truce basically have Hamas present a list of hostages that it's going to be prepared to release the following day um, by usually around midnight, um, sometimes before, sometimes after. But basically, on Thursday night, Israel was waiting for this list of hostages, and it's expecting it to be only women and children. Israel says that there were still seven. There are still seventeen, roughly, so women and children who are still being held hostage in Gaza, and wants Hamas to be releasing those first before going on to other categories. However, Hamas claims that either it doesn't have all the hostages, that some of them have been killed, um, but it tried to basically present the idea of other categories of hostages, older men, younger men, and this was rejected by Israel. Um, and Israel said, no, we first want to go on, stick with these categories first. We're not going to talk about other categories. Hamas basically responded by not responding for a while. And then after David Barnea, the Mossad chief, according to an Israeli official I spoke with, basically threatened to renew the violence if, sorry, renew the fighting if no list with women and children was presented, a decision was made by Hamas to fire a rocket as I guess there was some sort of response to that threat shortly before the truce and another violation um, of this truce before 7 a.m. And at that point, Israel decided it was going to resume its fighting given that Hamas had violated what it says are the terms of the ceasefire in multiple ways. Okay, and many, of course, we'd seen on the ground several times in the previous days, other violations, and the IDF was very restrained. We talked about that already on the podcast. Did you see anything else uh, other than the rocket in the in the lead up to the, the ending of the truce? 
No, other than the list not being provided, um, or a list that Israel wanted uh, being provided, um, there was the rocket attack at around um, six in the morning, and then another attack uh, just shortly before seven in the morning when the uh, ceasefire was supposed to end. Um, it was at that point that Israel, or the IDF specifically, put out a statement saying uh, that Hamas had violated the ceasefire. Uh, and fired rockets and that Israel basically was resuming the fighting Uh, and it was just shortly after 7am did the army start uh, resuming its airstrikes uh, across Gaza. It's a very tough predicament that the uh, that Israel was in, given that there are still there was a list of or an idea that there were going to be some female hostages that were released, possibly as many as seven, but Israel felt that the terms were were ten, and that's what the terms were. So I guess you have to make a decision between either saving those seven um, or sticking to their, their initial terms, and then risking either those seven or, or many more who are still going to be held in Gaza. And that was the decision, I guess, Israel took that it needed to. It felt that that through force, Hamas would eventually come to terms that um, are better for Israel. That's possible. And of course, we'd seen in the days prior to the breakage of the truce, many, many, many tricky situations that Hamas presented Israel with in terms of releasing the hostages and the numbers of. Now, Manny, the IDF began with airstrikes again on Friday morning. And since then, have there also been ground operations in Gaza? The ground operations uh, in Gaza have been uh, relatively limited uh, since the ceasefire was broken. Uh, it's for two reasons. Uh, one, there's there's sort of a belief that uh, the airstrikes may have pressured Hamas into then providing another list and maybe extending the ceasefire by another day once the fighting had resumed. But more, more officially is that for, in order for these ground operations to be carried out, uh, airstrikes need to be conducted first. Uh, the ground needs to be prepared. Um, when Israel went into a ceasefire, the Israeli soldiers moved around, they uh, moved back into ceasefire lines, they uh, withdrew slightly from certain neighborhoods that they were operating in, in order for the safety of the soldiers, that is. And once they resume the fighting, they can't just immediately go out. Hamas booby-trapped the areas. Uh, Hamas also moved its forces around in order to ambush Israeli soldiers. Um, so it, it was expected to see... We, we expected to see... Uh, sort of a day or two even uh, of airstrikes before uh, larger ground operations are carried out. We know that um, this morning uh, on, on Saturday there were some operations. Uh, troops uh, were searching homes. They found rockets uh, uh, in a residential building. They found other Hamas military equipment in other buildings. Uh, so that there, there are ground operations, but we're not seeing these sort of large raids on Hamas strongholds uh, quite yet. We'll have to wait. Uh, for those to be carried out. And as I understand it, the IDF has also been active in southern Gaza today. Is that correct? So many of these airstrikes, um, at least over the past day, 50 of them, according to the army, uh, were in the Khan Yunus area in southern Gaza. These airstrikes are are coming sort of ahead of the army's uh, expected ground offensive also in southern Gaza. Uh, Like in northern Gaza, before troops can move, they will have to carry airstrikes. So Uh, Same in southern Gaza, these large airstrikes are going to be carried out uh, before the army moves in there as well on the ground. We don't know when it will happen, if it will happen in the next few days or even in a week or two from now. Uh, It's not clear. The army obviously won't announce it until it happens. Um, But we will see a lot more strikes in southern Gaza ahead of this expected um, uh, ground operation there too. Okay, we'll go to a short break. You're listening to this podcast. 
So I know you care about the war in Israel right now. And you've been reading the headlines. Massacre in Gaza. Genocide perpetrated by Hamas. No, by Israel. But if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you know one thing. This stuff seems complicated. And honestly, no one can really just pick a side or decide an opinion without really learning. Without really knowing what you're talking about. And that's where this podcast comes in. Check out Unpacking Israeli History, now in its sixth season. They have episodes with topics ranging from what is Hamas anyway, to whether Israel should ransom captured soldiers, and the history of Israel and its disengagement from Gaza in 2005. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. So, educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we're back. One final note on the diplomatic side, Jacob. As I understand it, Israel's negotiation team has returned from Qatar today, meaning the doors are now firmly closed for negotiation. Is that how you read it as well? Um, not completely. Of course, it's much harder for the talks to take place in, if uh, David Barnea, the Mossad chief, is not in Qatar because he's kind of really leading the talks. But Israeli officials I spoke with said they plan to just continue the talks under fire, is the quote that they've used, that we can still have talk. the terms are the same. If Hamas comes to the table with prepared to release more women and children, then we're willing to temporarily pause the fighting. That's not, That hasn't changed just because the war has continued. Okay, now the U.S. is obviously a major player in any kind of part of this ongoing war or non-war effort, the truce, or continuing with fighting. And what is it that you see the U.S. wanting from Israel at this stage, Jacob? Yeah, so there's been growing um, rhetoric about basically changing the way that the idea has been fighting, not replicating what it did in the north also in the South, which for Antony Blinken, who was in Israel on Thursday, said that this means no mass displacement of Gazans, no strikes on life-critical infrastructure, and eventually allowing folks in Gaza to return to the North, where they've been displaced. There's a lot of growing unease in the U.S., as well as among U.S. allies in the Arab world, about the, the amount of death, the destruction, and displacement, and also fears of disease. That have, that, that have kind of been growing over the past few weeks. And there's this expectation that Israel, on the one hand, try to limit the civilian casualties, but also at the same time, the White House is still saying that it's going to support Israel militarily. That, that was an important word, militarily, given that there there's some very heavy weapons and missiles that it's, it's now sending to, to Israel to help it prosecute its war against Hamas. So it's, it's offering Israel these tools to, to fight, but also really wants them to use them in kind of a pinpointed manner. It's going to be very difficult, obviously, given what's going on in the South with so many people there. But basically, Blinken is kind of, there was this interesting comment where he said that um, you, you might not have months to fight to continue this fighting. So you have to be very careful with the way you do it in order to maximize the amount of time you have. Okay, so Startup Nation has uh, come up with this new map to show Palestinians where to go to get the heck out of the fighting. Manny, what do we know about this map? This uh, interactive map that the army published 
uh, on Friday, and it basically splits the Gaza Strip into uh, several hundred zones, I believe somewhere around 2,000 different zones. Um, and uh, basically, the army has asked Palestinians to uh, identify which uh, zone they're in, to look at their neighborhood and figure out which number they are. And then throughout the fighting, the army will update uh, Palestinians on uh, which zones need to be evacuated. Um, the way they're announcing it is not always through the internet because um, obviously in Gaza there's a difficulty with electricity and not everyone has internet access. So the army is also dropping flyers uh, with the um, uh, with the with the numbers of the of the zones that need to be evacuated as well. And there's a QR code that you can load up the uh, the map with beforehand, and then you can remember which is your zone. Um, but this morning already, the army has be- begun to use it. So um, there are several areas in northern Gaza, uh, Jabalia, uh, Shujaia, and Zaytun. Um, the army has instructed a, n- a number of zones in those areas to evacuate to uh, what they call known shelters, which are usually schools and hospitals uh, in other areas of Gaza City. And then in southern Gaza, there's a number of zones near Khan Yunis, uh, very close to the Israeli border. Uh, where the army has uh, given out a list of numbers of the zones and told Palestinians in those areas uh, to move toward the to, toward the Rafah area um, in in southern Gaza, and this will be used throughout the fighting, as Jacob mentioned. Um, there won't be any more of these mass displacements of everyone in northern Gaza move um, sort of uh, uh, plan. It will be much more limited with. Um, several zones uh, being moved out to another area the fighting ongoing in those areas and then later um, they should be allowed to, to to return to the areas that they were evacuated from yeah I'll just add that Anthony Blinken mentioned or as he was flying out of Dubai the next day that he was actually pretty satisfied with, with this uh, new Israeli approach or at least he said that this is a positive development and that we'll be following closely because this is something that we really would like to see but Manny, it sounds to me that if there's a warning to get out of the area, that the army is actually not looking for the Hamas members themselves, but rather to destroy the infrastructure, which begs the question, what will be left for these people to go back to? The destruction in Gaza is 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 quite great. Uh, I think we've mentioned this on the podcast before. Uh, we've seen what it looks like in northern Gaza. I've seen it firsthand as well. Nearly every house there is uh, collapsed or heavily damaged in some way. And um, really part of the army's goals is to uh, destroy Hamas infrastructure. Um, it's been difficult reaching the Hamas uh, sort of fighters themselves. A lot of them have fled um, with with the civilian population that's been evacuating and others just fled when the army entered. Um, and that is going to be a big challenge for the army in southern Gaza, especially with the amount of civilian population that is currently there. All those who have evacuated from northern Gaza to try and find all these Hamas fighters um, and their senior uh, members as well of the terror group. It's going to be complicated and for these Palestinians who are now having to evacuate from their homes and then later return, uh, it's also going to be just a very difficult reality because uh, the areas that they're going to be evacuating from may be completely destroyed once they uh, once they return. Jacob, let's pause a moment and think a little bit about the day after. And you had an interesting uh, tidbit that you reported that Arab diplomats don't really see Mahmoud Abbas, the Palestinian Authority president, as a major player in Gaza the day after. What did you hear? Yeah, I thought this was quite interesting because you hear this kind of talk maybe totally off the record or from folks in the U.S., but not so much from Arab diplomats 
who are willing to even, obviously they didn't go on the record fully, but they're willing to allow me to publish this on, on what's called background as anonymous Arab diplomats and basically calling Mahmoud Abbas, the Palestinian Authority president, a liability and it's that who is contributing to reluctance from a lot of these countries who the U.S. is now relying on to try to help with the day after, that to try to help maybe run or manage Gaza security after the war to definitely contribute funds, but they feel like Abu Mazen, 87 years old, kind of seen as just someone who's dragging his feet on every proposal that's come about over the years, be it from Israeli peace proposals or even just um, reconciliation efforts that Egypt, for example, has really tried to push between uh, Fatah and Hamas, that this man is just not really going to be a, a helpful player in the process. And there is a lot of apprehension about trying to basically get anything done with him because he really is just seen as someone who tries to promote his own loyalists and is very suspicious of people. Obviously, this is what happens when you stay in power for so long, but that doesn't really trust anyone who, who doesn't give him absolute loyalty, and those people aren't necessarily the, the best leaders for the Palestinian people right now. So I think it was just really interesting that at this point in the war, especially when everyone in the Arab world is trying to show solidarity with the Palestinians, there were a couple very senior diplomats from two separate countries, and we're not even talking about Jordan, where they can, they, they have a lot of even more support for the Palestinians and would never say anything like this uh, even on, on as an anonymous official, but two very prominent countries in this process that the U.S. is going to need and now uh, is going to have a harder time convincing given the leadership that's in Ramallah. Mandy, finally, I just would like to mention that we're hearing increased reports of dead coming out of Gaza, dead Israelis who are taken hostage, either alive or dead. And why are we hearing increased reports right now? Uh, what is happening is these uh, hostages that are being declared dead by Israeli authorities are not necessarily being found. Because of the 100 plus hostages that were released from Gaza in the last week as part of the deal, many of them are providing intelligence uh, to Israeli authorities, providing them information. Some of them firsthand have seen that other hostages were killed in Gaza or later died in Gaza or were brought to Gaza dead. Uh, so this information is being investigated. Uh, the army looks into it. The um, chief rabbi of Israel, uh, the uh, health ministry have a team of experts um, and as well as the uh, Abu Kabir Forensic Institute are investigating findings that have also been brought back. And based on all of that, the intelligence and, and the findings, uh, several of the hostages are being declared uh, dead, but their bodies are still held uh, in Gaza. There is one hostage um, whose body was actually recovered by the army, Ofir Sarfati. He was taken hostage uh, from the Nova Music Festival on October 7th. Um, the, his family was notified on Wednesday that he had been killed, and then on Friday morning, uh, the army was able to recover and bring back the body uh, for burial based on initially intelligence and then later they uh, actually managed to find the body. So um, we may see further uh, hostages that were killed on October 7th um, being recovered or at least being declared dead um, by by the uh, Israeli army and other authorities. Manny, thank you for that update. Manny, Jacob, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Times of Israel's Daily Briefing. Please check out tomorrow's episode. This episode was produced by the Podwaves. If you have a question or comment about this or other episodes, please drop us an email at podcast at timesofisrael.com. Until tomorrow, Shalom.